This is episode number one, two, three with the unstoppable Rico Minel. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast. Today, I have one of the most inspiring episodes that you have ever heard on this show. We've got Rico Meinl calling in from Germany, and this person is a machine. He's got passion. He's got drive. He's got that whole concept of reckless commitment down pat. So Ben Taylor talks about reckless commitment, and that is the notion of just committing yourself to something that you feel that is impossible that you will do and you still commit to it and you go and once you've committed you go and do it so just an example rico has just in a month he set up an ai meetup group and hosted a meetup event for 45 people in uh, hamburg germany he went to his executives in his company and suggested that they set up an ai department uh, in order to uh, augment their operations with artificial intelligence and now he's doing that he's also studying at the same time he's also gotten himself a mentor that who's guiding him through his career so crazy amount of incredible things that he's done in a short period of time and this is a person that you can and anybody can learn a lot from just through thinking about his attitude towards data science ai and just anything he does in life also important to note that this podcast is available in video version so if you go to superdatascience.com slash one two three or 123 you will see our whole conversation in video so if you have the opportunity to watch this on your laptop if you're sitting you're at home right now and you can just switch your laptop or your phone on then go and do that it's uh the podcast is on youtube and uh, you'll see our whole conversation there you'll see us laughing but if not if you're just running or in the car or anything like that then just keep going with this audio this is definitely definitely worth it you'll get tons and tons of value so all in all it's going to be an incredible ride so brace yourselves and off we go i bring to you the unstoppable rico milo Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Super Data Science Podcast. Today, I've got a super exciting guest on the show calling in from Germany, Rico Meinl. Rico, welcome to the show. How are you going? Thanks, Kirill. I'm doing pretty great. <laughs> that's, that's, that's awesome and great to see you again. Um, we initially met back at Data Science Go in October. It's been, it's been quite some time and you've accomplished some crazy things in, in those months. I'm really excited to talk about it. But first, I wanted to start off, you know, to kind of like, get into this uh, space and get, like as an icebreaker what we talked about just now about being nervous versus being excited what did you think about that whole concept i think it's i think it's interesting because it's sort of like the same like what, what you mentioned with the ted talk so like the same feeling yeah. and i think that's really true because when i'm sometimes when i'm nervous and before a presentation or an important talk once i realize that's actually just something that i really care about and that i'm excited to do so therefore it's the same feeling and it's not really something that should hold you back before yeah. doing so, right? 
Yeah, and so like what what I we were just talking about uh, exciting uh, being nervous, and I actually watched a TED talk where when you're nervous and when you're excited, you experience exactly the same uh, feelings. Uh, where you like you have some sort of specific type of breathing, you sweat a little bit, you're anticipating what's going to happen. You might like that happens when you're nervous if you think about it, and that happens when you're excited. So if you train your body, oh, this was a TED talk by Simon Sinek and. He was actually giving an example that, oh, this is just, just one of his videos, not his TED talk. But he was like giving an example of athletes at the Olympics. They're like, if you ask any of them, the reporters always ask them, like, were you nervous? Were you nervous? Are you nervous? And they never say they're nervous. They always say oh, they're excited because they've trained their bodies to be excited. But you also mentioned a cool thing, what uh, Kyle Sees said, right? Can you repeat that uh, about the technique that he gave you that, you know, that you're using now for yourself? Oh yeah, it's just um, that what he recommended at his talk was um, that whenever you're really excited or nervous like about something, you have this voice in your head that keeps telling you like the things you might do wrong and mm. where you might fail. So yeah. what I do now in front of, uh, before like important presentations or something, I, t I try to talk to the voice like he recommended, like talk, talk everything down and answer the voice in your head so you really like calm it down. Mm -hmm. And then... What's also interesting in that sense, what you mentioned at the Day Sense Go conference, uh, what you're going to ask yourself is, what is the next thing I'm going to think about? And then your mind is just like empty. You don't think <laughs> about anything at that moment. And that really helps me sometimes to calm myself down. Mm. Nice, nice. Very cool. So are you nervous or are you excited right now? I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, for the benefit of our listeners, I'm going to actually just recite in, in, a, in my own version the email that you sent me. So I met Rico mm -hmm. at Data Science Go. It was October. And now it's been, what, uh, two, two months literally since then? Or No, that was November. What am I talking November, about? Right? It was November. So it's been like a month since Data Science Go. Yeah. And Rico is like crazy. So first of all, Rico flew all the way. You flew all the way from Germany, right, to San Diego just for this call. Is that right? Or were you like, am I getting yeah. this wrong? That's right. Man, that is crazy. I like huge thank you for that. There was like a couple of people who came from all over the world. So I was very inspired by that. And, and then like a, a month later after the conference, I get this email from Rico and he's like, by the way, Kirill, I wanted to say, oh no, hold on, hold on. At the conference, what did you ask me at the conference? Oh, I was actually inspired and uh, it, was, it was a lot about like setting goals, right? Yeah. So what I, what I realized during the talks is that these people are doing amazing things and are really inspiring. So what I want to set myself as a goal is I want to I want to reach so far that next year I can hold I can be one of the presenters at the Data Science Go conference. So yeah. at the one 2018. So yeah. I I approached you and I asked like, Carol, <laughs> like I really want to be a presenter. And then what you said was, well, at first you got to succeed. And that's what really like that was the perfect response for my type of personality, I think. So that really <laughs> motivated now. Nice, very nice. And I remember, like, I didn't, I haven't told you this, but I remember now, like, I, I think I was sitting behind, like, at the, uh, at the back of, you know, all of the chairs at the back. There was like these seats for, because I remember that moment uh, with, with where we had all the audiovisuals, the recording team, the camera crew, and, and so on. And I was sitting behind a laptop, I was talking to someone, and then and then Rico rocks up. I'm like, "Wow, first of all, you're very tall." I'm like, "This this guy, like, what does he want from me?" And I was already like, "I was this is towards the end, uh, the evening for I think first day or something or second day." Mm -hmm. but like I was I was already a bit tired. I was like, "What does this guy want from me?" I'm like tired. It's like you're like I want to be a presenter. I'm like, 
dude, <laughs> dude, you got like, like okay, what? How? Okay, that's cool. That's I, I gotta, I gotta, I, I gotta like uh, get myself together and give him uh, an appropriate response. When, who? When would I want someone to present at this conference? When he succeeds, when he's a successful person, when you have a successful story to share, right? I'm like, okay, you gotta succeed first. And then, like, that's, that's the end of our career. Of course, we chatted more, but we didn't talk more about this. And so then I yeah. get back, a month passes, and I get this email. And Rico's like, so I got back to Germany. By the way, Kirill, remember we had this chat about me being presented. I'm not emailing you about that at all. I hope you remember it. But, like, basically, I got back to Germany. I set up a meetup group for artificial intelligence, which has, like, 250 people in it already. I've uh, recommended my company to incorporate artificial intelligence in their operations and now we're setting up an AI department and also I've reached out to one of the speakers at Data Science Go, Richard Hopkins, who is my mentor and you literally like you basically stole my mentor and now Richard Hopkins <laughs> is your mentor and you're catching up with him on, on FaceTime. I mean like you caught up with him twice in a month. I don't see him that many times in a quarter and I'm like well this guy is on a roll so I had to invite you here and, and like learn more about this. Like and, and the other thing is like you got inspired by some of the speakers and now you've shifted your sleeping habits to accommodate all these crazy things you're doing. So very, very inspiring accomplishments. I don't, I don't even know where to get started. Where, where are we going to get started with this, Rico? Let's start at the very first beginning. Okay. <laughs> Let's start at the beginning. Walk us like, through it. All right. Maybe you want a background. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well... I first I of all, how, sorry. How old are you? If you don't mind sharing, how old are you? Oh yeah, um, I'm 20 years old. Yeah. Okay, that's very impressive. All right. So yeah. So when I was 18, I finished high school, and I wasn't really, I wasn't really sure about what what I want to do. So I went to Canada for a year because I always wanted to travel the U.S. So that's what I did. I started working in a restaurant in Toronto uh, as a dishwasher, actually. Mm. And uh, it was really, it was a really exciting time. And then I went to, also went to Vancouver for uh, half a year to work in a ski resort, traveled America on the way, and then traveled America again, and finished off with two months, and then went home to Germany. And over the course of that year, I really thought that I was passionate about movies. So I really thought I wanted to make movies. So I found this little university in Hamburg that has a study called for media computer science. And there was an article online which stated that some people that studied here, they had eventually um, went to the film industry to do like movie effects and graphics for movies. Oh, okay. Because I was thinking you wanted to become an actor or something like that. No, no. <laughs> More on the technical side. Yeah. So that's what I actually wanted to do. So I came here to start studying and I, I'm doing like a co-op program. Mm -hmm. is, that, is that a common thing in Australia as well? Um, like co Tell, like explain a bit more. Like a co-op is... Is is like it's not not university. It's like before university. Is that what you mean? No, it's more like I'm enrolled as a student, and then in my semester holidays, because in Germany we have semesters of six months. So I study for three months and I have exams, and then the other everyone has two months of semester holidays. Mm. So in that time, I am working mm. at a company, and I have a contract, and I'm also going to stay at the company for two years after my uh, study. Oh, okay. So I think it's a really great deal that goes both ways. So yeah. I was actually at my at my initial um, interview. My uh, now COO asked me, "You are aware of the fact that this uh, study subject is eighty percent computer science?" Mm. <laughs> and I was not. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, uh, "Yeah, sure." Um, 
so he asked me like do you think you can do it and i was like oh yeah absolutely mm. so i started studying here just diving into coding because there's a lot of practical applications at the school and in the second semester and after my first practical uh, experience in the company i decided i don't want to do movies anymore i want to be i want to do computer science mm. there's way more opportunities so yeah i've been doing that and there was just a general curiosity about ai okay and so for my second practical semester at my company i asked to go into the customer service software department where we have a chatbot which mm. is some kind of ai in that sense because uh, it's a rule-based uh, mm. model mm -hmm. yeah so that that was basically let's not an excuse but some sort of excuse to get involved in the field of ai so i went to udemy because we have a company's account where you can do courses for free oh and that's so cool like, are there any courses on ai that i can do and i was surprised because there was mm. and there was your courses oh nice so nice like, and then, I, then over the course of my practical semester i did the machine learning and deep learning and the ai course and some other ones as well and which one yeah. did you like the most i like the deep learning course more so. yeah did you like yeah. did you like how it starts off with that when they're talking what is the internet and uh, and then the, like, the 1994 uh, video clip and like they didn't even know what the internet was on, on the TV, on a, like a TV show or something. Not not TV show on a uh, interview on the on like one of those CNBC type of shows. So yeah, like I, I like that course because of the you know the style the style we put in. Mm -hmm. Sorry sorry for the like no. side, side note. Okay, so Absolutely. deep learning. I agree. I like that course a lot. Yeah, so then um, I was actually in Edinburgh on some sort of vacation and I saw that you guys were doing the Data Science Go conference. Mm. I was like, why not? I was going to do it. So I bought a ticket. When did that you buy the ticket? In August. In August. So like yes. a, a few months before the conference. Okay. Exactly. And then, and then you're like, screw it. I'm just going to fly half the way across the world just to come to a conference in San Diego. I had this idea that I thought that... Um, that the whole thing is going to be really expensive, the, the ticket and the flight. Yeah. But I thought, like, if I'm going to meet one person that inspires me, if I'm going to meet one person at least that's, make, that's going to make an impact in my life, it's going to be worth the investment. Oh, nice. <laughs> I love that thinking. Did you meet at least one person? I met more than 20 persons. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, actually, nice. Like, I, met so many, I met so many amazing people at that conference. Yeah, that's so yeah. cool. And, and one of them is your mentor now. It's crazy. I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to chat to Richard about this. I'm going to send him this video. <laughs> yeah, Richard, if you're watching this, hey, man, this is, this is crazy. Okay, cool. So, and then, and then, okay, that's, you got there, you got inspired. But like, of what often happens is people get inspired, but they don't do anything about it, right? They just like, uh, they, they're cool, it's cool, they have this feeling. And then, you know, especially even like uh, you get most inspired at an event, you know, you get inspired after reading a book, but, and so on. But like at an event, because you're surrounded by these people several days, you're committing time and money into a travel. But then like it fades off inevitably within like a week or maybe for some people a few months. How did you make yourself actually follow through on your plan? Yeah, what you mentioned is definitely true. Like, I've been there. What I, what I realized, uh, which works for my type of personality, for example, if I want to do something, like a course, I buy it first. Mm -hmm. And then, like, it's sort of like I have to do it eventually. That was, like, the same thing with my presentation at my company and also the meetup. So when I, went, uh, I had this idea at my company, which you're going to get to later, I guess, yeah. um, 
I thought I was going to do it. So the first thing I did before having anything to present, I texted my business unit manager and I was like, I really want to present this thing. Are you, are you going to be free? I think next week or something to have a meeting. And she was like, sure. So then I created a presentation. Same with the meetup. Like I came home from data science go and the same night I created the meetup. So then I was like, once the site was up there and people started signing up for it, signing up, yeah. I was like, now I have to do it. So we had our first meetup last Saturday. Nice. And then, yeah. How many people attended? Uh, it, was, it was 45 people attending. So less than expected. But I guess you just, that's what you learn from those kind of events. Because it doesn't always go as you hope it will go. Because there was 115 people signed up for it. Yeah. Yeah. But it was so great. Like, I, I yeah. still, it was still an amazing experience for me. Never talking in front of so many people. And I really liked it. That's so cool. You went from attending a conference to hold, hosting your own event in like within a few weeks. That's crazy, man. That's yeah. crazy. And uh, you said the same thing with Richard. How, how, did, you, how did you manage? Because Richard is not an easy guy to convince to be his mentor, to be your mentor. Like, how did you ma- manage to make that happen? I, I got involved in a talk with him on the Saturday night at the networking. Mm-hmm. And we just really, we just talked and it was a really interesting talk. I think I don't really, <laughs> to be honest, I don't remember exactly what we talked about, just like about where I came from and where he came from. Yeah. And then he told me that he was really inspired by my story. And, and then the next morning he told me that also because of the whole change of cause of the conference, uh, he was, he created, he completely redesigned his talk, right? Yeah. So it, he ended up talking about a lot about mentorship. Yeah. So at one point I sit there and I realized like I had a really great connection with him the night before. And then he was talking about how important it is to get a mentor Yeah. and all that. So like immediately after this talk, I went up there and I was like, Richard, uh, <laughs> I really want you to be my mentor. Like, do you think we can work anything out to have like a Skype mentorship? Cause I'm yeah. in Germany. Yeah. I'd love to come visit Australia one day. Cause I've never been. Yeah. And he was like, absolutely. So yeah, then we kept in touch and we had our first talk, I think like a week or two after the DSGO. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool, man. And Richard's a, Richard's a great mentor. So for, for those who don't know, Richard Hopkins is, right, he used to be a director at PwC uh, or even higher than a director for restructuring and uh, business turnaround. While now he's a, a CEO at a, like a lettuce growing Huge lettuce growing, like they're called farms, but it's a huge lettuce growing company uh, in t- located in Tasmania. So yeah, man, that, that's really cool. And uh, how are these catch-ups going? Like, so is it hard to, because Rich is the type of guy, he's not going to, he's not going to follow around. He's not going to like follow you. He's going to, you have to take control. That's the first thing when he was my mentor, that's the first thing he told me. Kiro, I'm happy to be a mentor, but... You got, you got to be the one driving this thing. Cause like, I, I, you know, like I have lots of things going on and if you can't be bothered to set up a meeting with me, then it's, it's not, it's not my, it's not my responsibility, not his responsibility. And so like, how has that been? You said you've had two catch ups with him so far. Like, how do you go about, especially like a remote mentor that when I, when he was my mentor, like uh, we were in one city, we were chatting uh, all the time. We'd go out for lunch. Uh, how does it work for you guys? We set up this first meeting over mm. uh, email and I think LinkedIn. And then mm. what I really liked that for the first meeting, he took over the control, which was great for me because I've never been mentored before. Mm-hmm. So he took it over and he said, listen, Rico, like this is how I usually approach these things. So it was a good introduction for me on how things are going to go. We had a really interesting talk. And then we had our second meeting 
and that's that that's when I realized like what you're saying that I have to like kind of make sure that I have questions prepared and ask uh, ask for stuff because of course like I I actually really uh, greatly appreciate that he takes his time even though he is busy I think it's also great that we're not wasting time yeah. so we really catch up talk about some stuff I ask my question and if it's only 20 minutes or 30 minutes only that right yeah yeah so I always uh, of course because of the change in my uh, job now I'm trying to like built this AI research lab up. I had a lot of questions regarding yeah. that and he was able to help me a lot with that. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And so during Richard's talk, he emphasized this one important point that mentorship has to be a two way street that uh, you cannot just take, take, take from your mentor. Your mentor has to get some value out of it as well. At least even if you get 90%, he gets 10% or 80, 20, something like that, because otherwise, it's great to help other people, but you also want to grow yourself. You want to learn. So uh, my question to you is, are you, what are you contributing to this uh, relationship? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> I actually asked him the same question because I was interested. Because uh, before you first talked, I wasn't actually sure what I was going to contribute. But he said um, he's really interested in deep learning. Mm -hmm. And he's confident that with my drive and uh, passion that he spotted, that I'm going to be able to um, give him a lot of input on that. And I'm going to do my best to do so. Confident I will. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, once I really dive deep into it. Nice. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. Like, I'm sure you'll be able to help him along the way as you, as you learn these things yourself. But I also think that, like, for me, with my mentors, I, they, I wouldn't be where I am without my mentors. So if at any point they call me and say, hey, Kirill, I need your help with this, I'll be like, I'll just pause my, all my plans, I'll go there and spend like a week or two weeks helping them implement a system or whatever I can do, you know, set up some contracts or introduce somebody to somebody uh, or even if it's like deep learning AI, I'll just sit, I'll make sure to do that. And so I'm, I'm sure you'll do the same. Like if five years from now, when he's not, like when you maybe he's not your mentor anymore, like he says, hey Rico, you're, you're, you're the CEO of Deep Learning Incorporated Global Worldwide. Could you come over and help me? <laughs> Richard, this is where you grow some lettuce. And uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure you'll say yes. So that's Absolutely, cool. yeah. And I like how you mentioned, this is so funny. Look, I'll show you my book, right? So this is the top of my book. I'm making notes right here. This is before I talk, our talk. I wrote down passion and drive. Like you mentioned yeah. those exact two things that Richard spotted in you. And I was like, when I talked to Rico, I, and this I wrote down, what I need to talk about. First two things that came to mind, passion and drive. Man, this is like... This is cool. Like, uh, it, it just it shows something. It means that you emanate these qualities and people can pick them up. So let's talk more about that. What is your passion and uh, where into the space of AI, you know, like seeing what you've seen in computer science, where in the space of AI do you want to go? And why are you so passionate about, about it? And why are you so driven to get there? Where I want to go, I want to develop amazing things. Actually, I'm really inspired by Ben Taylor right now because he posts a lot of his stuff on uh, LinkedIn. Yeah. Like the latest was on, he had like a five article series about how deep learning is used to, to spot beauty in people, uh, but not, but then um, filtering out the race aspect. Oh, okay. How deep learning is used to prevent racism. Uh, yeah. To like, to make, uh, to, yeah, to combat racism in like, uh, beauty, fashion stuff, and things like that, right? Exactly. Like, and that's that's kind of like the stuff I really want to get into because I think uh, 
also I had I had this uh, I saw this TED talk the other day, which was about a guy who created a, a drone system in Africa mm. where they have autonomous drones delivering blood to different hospitals, which is saving lives every day. Like it's these type of applications that I'm really interested in that I really want to create because I think that AI can not only automate so augment humans in what we do in our everyday life, it can also really make the world a better place by applications like this. That's what just keeps me going because I always, always looking for sort of a, like everyone's looking for his purpose, right? Like everyone's in his world trying to find his purpose and what he can contribute to the world. And I think I really found that for me in artificial intelligence. Mm. So that's, that's what keeps me going because I think it's, it has relevance. Man, but like everybody's looking for their purpose, but not at 20 years old. Like you're way ahead of the curve. <laughs> that's crazy. Like, uh, how did you get there at such a young age? This is, this is, uh, it's very inspiring, but it's a mystery, right? Like a lot of people at your age are still searching or taking a gap year or, uh, you know, partying a lot. Like what is, was there something in your life that changed your perception? My year abroad. Hmm. Definitely. Like if the dish, uh, dishwashing in Canada. <laughs> absolutely like uh i think that that would be my number one recommendation for everyone who is in the young age who's starting who's getting off school because we had this we had to talk at university at some point mm. and it was young students who were wondering about doing uh, the same core program instead of a normal study and they were wondering because the core program is more intense because you really never have holidays you or you're always working or in school so what they were wondering is like they were 18 years old and they said they would have a disadvantage if they don't go into university right away. Mm. I was like, guys, like, this is not true because after, after school, you kind of want to enjoy and like live life. Right. So that's why I did with going to Canada. And I think that's how I built up street smartness. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's also important. I'm kind of lost on this one. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened in Canada? Like, why did you come back from Canada and you're like, uh, oh, that's right. You said you want, uh, you, you want the movie, right? You want to get into the movie space. Yeah. And then there, through, through the whole coincidence that there was computer science, one of the predominant things, that's how you ended up in AI. Oh, that's, that's really cool. That's, uh, you know, Steve Jobs used to talk about connecting the dots. Like before, you know, when you went to Canada, you would never have thought that these coincidences, that's what they're going to lead to. But now looking back, you can see how connecting those dots makes sense that this had to happen for this to happen. That's really cool. Okay. And then what the other thing is, tell us about your transition, like the way you entering this field. It's obviously not one of the simplest fields in the world. You know how sometimes they say, no offense to any cooks in the audience, but like cooking is not rocket science. I think it is rocket science. I'm not a good chef, but you know, there's a saying, it's not rocket science. Well, you can't really say that about AI. AI is pretty much rocket science. It's like almost there. So you're getting to one of the most complex areas in the world and the most cutting edge technologies and data driven applications. How does it feel? Like what are the challenges that you face on a daily basis? That's actually the point you just mentioned is the thing that's really getting me excited about AI. The challenge behind it, that is something that is not yet developed and there's still room for us to uh, improve. So I really like that challenge in the first sense. And I think the biggest challenge for me right now is to incorporate my passion for AI with my daily study life. 
because like <laughs> I still want to finish university, right? I still want to do great on my bachelor's, but my computer science degree is not that uh, relevant, connected no, to AI. Connected. So I'm I, it's basically like uh, the separation between my bachelor's and then also my AI passion and kind of like get this under the same hat right now is my challenge. Mm. That's a really cool way of putting it, getting them under the same hat. I wanted to ask you, is time a challenge? Is like, do you have enough time to do your bachelor's and your work and your passion for AI? Like, is that, is that, I'm, I'm kind of like leading towards your whole sleeping routine. I, want, I would like to talk more about that and how you've changed your sleeping routine since Data Science Go. Inspiration from Hadalan. You want to control time rather than undergoing it. That was really like, that really stuck in my head. Because it's true, like, Ever since I started the sleeping rhythm, I have much more control over my time. Before, I've been stressed. So I've had these days where I really wanted to get stuff done, and then I was stressed at the end of the day because I didn't have enough time to do so, and then I was uh, not happy with myself. Mm -hmm. Well, now, obviously, not always on top of my game because it's also been a huge change to get into this habit. But um, I have all the time in the world now. So that's really, I think it's good for me because I'm not stressed anymore and I know I can get things done during the day mm. and I do get things done and that mm -hmm. keeps me motivated. So mm -hmm. that's just been my uh, motivation to stay with this. So tell, tell us a, a bit more about that. Like how, how many hours a day do you sleep now? Well, I, I do sleep uh, four and a half hours every night. Yeah. And then I do two 20 minute naps over the course of the day. So I basically, I split my day into three parts. So I wake up usually like five or four thirty, and then six and a half hours later I have my first nap, and then six and a half hours later I have my second nap, and then six and a half hours later I go to sleep. Yeah. So split my day into three parts is really is really cool because you always get this like sometimes when you wake up you're really energized and you're really ready to get going again. Yeah, I get that three times a day. Nice, nice. So that's, that's really, really cool. like something that's been getting me going. That, was it hard to transition? Like, do you, what what was the biggest feeling or complication that you felt while you were transitioning what was the hardest thing it was hard it still is hard i can't lie like getting up in the morning sometimes is pretty hard mm. and i feel like that's what also Halalan told me you kind of like sometimes you have to break the habit just like sleep in for a day mm. for example after my first dub where i was like mentally ready to get some rest i just slept in for like 12 hours yeah. and that was really good because the next morning i woke up being more energized than ever Getting up in the morning is, is sometimes hard. And I think to everyone who's maybe thinking about doing it, like you have to, you have to fill your day with work. Mm. You can't do it if you don't have a full day of work in front of you. Because when, once you feel like you're, you're wasting your time with non-related stuff, you might as well sleep longer. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I try to use my time as good as possible, get the most out of the day. And you, I think you also kind of have to be excited about your work because mm. you not get up at 4.30 when everyone is sleeping if you don't like what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I, was, I was just sitting here thinking that I have to mention for our listeners because there's so many people listening to this podcast that are, like, are expressing concerns about the health of the guests because it, it, it really, like even to me, it's starting to feel like we've got a cult going on here. Like Ben Taylor sleeps four hours a night. You sleep four and a half hours a night. Adlan sleeps three hours a night. You know, like I tried sleeping like whatever, four or five hours a night. It's like, it's crazy. It's the amount of people that I interact with through the podcast, through the conference, through like students, like it's just, it's surprising how many people 
uh, are doing these routines, which are, you know, some are called like uh, polyphasic sleep cycle, Uberman sleep uh, pattern. What's the other one? Uh, by, um, whatever they call it. Like uh, there's, there's many different versions of it. But what I wanted to say is that it's not a cult. <laughs> and uh, it's just, it's exactly what you said. When you're passionate about what you do, you can't wait. You're like, why am I sleeping? I got to get up and do more. I got I to get back into it. Of course, you got to do it like very consciously and monitor your health and take care of things. But for people who do uh, master it, it helps. And not only with work, like in your case, it helps with work and study. Uh, in, in Ben Taylor's case, he gets to spend whole, like every evening from 5 p.m. to like uh, 2 a.m. or no, not 2 a.m. Whenever he goes to bed, like 10 or 9, uh, he spends with his family, right? It, it helps find the time and still get those things done. Like you were saying, put, put uh, several things under one hat. So, yeah. Anyway, we veered off a little bit uh, from your AI uh, and uh, your passions. Okay, so that's what inspires you in AI. Now we know and uh, we can see how, like, why you want to get into and the challenge inspires you as well. So tell us how, how do you go about learning AI? You, you mentioned you took a few courses, right? So you, you already have the foundation of what artificial intelligence is. Do you go and create and like, let's say you decide to code your own neural network for some sort of application to see, to like to practice, or you, you find a real world challenge and you try to solve it, or you find a data set and you want, and you want to get some insights into it, or you just apply it at work. Like what is your way of getting more than you've already gotten from the courses as your foundation? How do you propel your skills in the space of artificial intelligence? That question really addresses my problem right now. As I am studying, I don't really have the time to dive deep into the application of models. So for me, it's like right now, I'm really getting into the theoretical, like the part that really interests me. For example, the future of AI is something that really sparks my interest. So I try to listen to a TED talk every day Mm -hmm. about that's relevant to AI. I do the courses. I connect it with LinkedIn. So I have a great feed now. That also always keeps me updated on the newest technology and the newest methods. And then once February starts, after my exams, I am going to go head knees deep <laughs> into everything and I'm going to do practical applications. My plan is to really get a GitHub account going in the two months I have and get um, Kaggle. Mm-hmm. You, heard, you heard about Kaggle? Yeah, right? yeah. I was just thinking that's, yeah. that's like the best place okay. to, to apply your skills yeah definitely that and like real world problems so what we what we also trying to do in the research lab is we have a bunch of customers in our company but also a bunch of products that we can integrate ai into so we don't we want to keep the research phase really slim Mm -hmm. so after like two or three weeks everyone has gotten into the topic we want to address companies problems companies Mm -hmm. issues and try to improve our products with ai Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm really going to get the practical knowledge. And I'm really excited for that. I actually can't wait. But yeah, I have to like, that's what, that's what I meant. Like I have to stay committed to my school. Mm-hmm. I have to finish, like I have to finish my exams first and my school rate is. So. And then AI yeah, comes second in that sense. Nice, nice. But yeah, I, like I have, I have everything planned up. Nice. And, and you mentioned you, like I like that. I like when you have things planned out. You're like, even to the date, right? You have, And that's the difference between goals and dreams. You know, dream is when you're like, I want to do that, but you don't know when. A goal is a dream that has a timeline. You know, like, I want to, I'll do this in February. And then by 
March, by April, I'll have this experience and then so on. And also my next semester and and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, what I wanted to ask you is trends, technological trends in AI, like you're excited about them. What are some of the top ones that you're most excited about? Something that, you know, like is going to happen in 2018, you think? Uh, Capsule networks. Capsule networks. Yes. Uh, So Ben Taylor, (laughs) always mentioning Ben. Ben is a really inspiring person, by the way. Yeah. Um, Ben, ben shared an article on Capsule Networks. Mm. So I watched a little video on it, really sparked my interest. So I'm going to have a seminar next semester, which I'm going to prepare starting January, which is basically like a 60-minute presentation about an AI-related topic. So I, really, I, I asked my prof if I can do it about Capsule Networks because that's something that I think is going to be relevant in 2018. So I really want to get deeper in the knowledge on that one. And I think... I'm, I'm not actually sure because I haven't done too much research on the blockchain, but I think AI and blockchain is going to be a, a, a trend for 2018, like you guys also mentioned yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I'm really interested about that as well. Nice. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's really cool. Things. Well, how did Ben Taylor uh, phrase, uh, like, I really like your, the way you go about things. Like, I, I don't know anything about Capsule Networks, but I'm already presenting it on it in whenever, April. Uh, and like, that's really cool. And Ben Taylor put a phrase to it. It's like some sort of commitment, like radical commitment or uh, what, what do you remember? Do you remember what he said? It was like, uh, Ren- reckless commitment, reckless commitment. There we yeah. go. Reckless. That's exactly like you're living up to, up to his, uh, what he was preaching about reckless commitment. You, that, that's, that's the way to get things done. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so, so actually, like maybe trying to explain why why I'm such a fan of Ben in that sense. Mm. On I think on the first day after his talk, I approached him and asked him um, if he wanted to have breakfast with me the next day. Yeah. So he said, "Yeah, let's do it." So we met up the next morning, had breakfast together, and I was able to ask him all of my questions con- uh, concerning how I can approach management about my idea for the AI research lab, what his opinion is, how he would pursue mm. uh, that presentation. And yeah, he really gave me amazing input and about everything. Like he gave me, I think like two or three techniques on how I can approach management with it. And we had a really nice chat about his applications, what he's doing and where he's been coming from. And that's why I'm like, (laughs) really like he gave me great input in data science goal. Definitely one of my top influences there. That's so cool. And Ben is like, Ben is like, uh, like an ocean of, stories and advice and, and like crazy things like you can talk to him for hours we were talking at dinner and he just mentioned like story after story after story from his life it's crazy and i actually remember that that breakfast i saw you guys having a chat there so that, oh, that was really cool that's that's really cool that mm-hmm. uh, he gave you some input to help you out with the ai lab what was it hard like what was the what was the biggest challenge approaching your company because i like when you said I talked to my company to set up an AI lab. Like, what? <laughs> Who does that? Who goes up to the, like their executives and say, "Hey, guys, we need to say, set up an AI lab." And by the way, you haven't uh, told us yet. What? What do you? What does your company do? And that that will probably give us a bit more perspective on oh, how yeah. hard it was <laughs> to set up the AI lab. Definitely. So we're an e-commerce related company. We have, for example, for our products, we have an uh, online shop software. Mm-hmm. and a product information management system. And we also sell um, online shops to huge customers and we do customer service software. So yeah, it's all e-commerce related and we're a lot of like, we're really customer focused B2B uh, company. 
So we had AI integrated in our company before with the chatbots and mm -hmm. we have like an intelligent mail system. But then, but then I thought, I looked at the uh, e-commerce use cases for AI, also something I asked Ben, I was like, Ben, like, is there even applications in e-commerce? And he was like, there's plenty. So I Googled it up, I found so many. So I was like, okay, great, let's do this. Uh, so I presented them to management that there's like major huge cases. Maybe I can talk about that later. Um, and that we can definitely use them to improve our products, to improve our customer service and also grow as a company. So yeah, apparently like my management was already like kind of thinking about integrating AI. So it, it came really, it came really uh, perfect for them in timing and they're really supportive with it, which is nice. That's really cool. And then they were like, okay, Rico, you take care of it, uh, set up the lab. Like what, what does it, what does it entail setting up an AI lab at a company? What, what does that even mean? Mm, yeah, we're in the process of building it right now. So we, we chose a team building approach. So there's going to be a meeting tomorrow actually where there's going to be interest, like students coming to our company and we present them with the idea and hopefully they're interested to help us build it up. So we want to acquire a team, like four to five people, and then define the structure of what we actually want to do, which is um, integrating AI into our products first, do a proof of concept that it actually works, that it uh, makes our products better. Mm -hmm. Then talk to customers about it, approach customers and be like, hey, we can integrate AI into your products, maybe analyze your data, do some data science lessons, and you will have X improvement and it will save you X costs. That's also something we're going to work on. Yeah, just like general integrating. Oh, because what, what you, sorry, I'm drifting off, but you yeah, guys yeah. also said yesterday that 40% of companies already adapt to AI. I think yeah. it's really important for companies these days to get knowledge in that field, to not stay behind. So mm -hmm. I feel like an AI research lab is perfect because we are going to do research and we are um, going to provide information that can be really useful for the future. Mm. That's, so yeah. That's awesome. I love that. And for those listening, if you're in a B2B space, that's a great place to apply AI because you know, like for individual people, it's, it's uh, a bit harder to make the connection or explain how AI is going to benefit them. If you create an app or something that like mass massively is going to help people like lots of people, that's cool. But overall, like if, if you come, if somebody, if a company comes to me and says, Hey, you know, we'll build you this AI thing. Like, uh, it's, I, I don't like as a person, I won't be able to pay them like tens of thousands of dollars for a tailored API, AI application for me. So you have to like focus on apps and stuff, but in a B2B space, because there's much, higher turnovers of, and like much higher funds that these companies have. Uh, like in your, in your case, Rico, you can just come up to a company and say, Hey, we know that you can increase your efficiency and we know that that's going to cut your costs by 10%. If they're, and if their costs are like $10 million, that saves them a million dollars and you charge them a hundred thousand, you know, like it's a no brainer for most business. And that's why they, the saying AI is the new electricity, which is by Andrew and G is like it's so much deeper than people think. It's not just about that AI is going to be everywhere. It's, it's also about how quickly companies are going to adopt and how easily if you show them the bottom line, how that's going to change the bottom line. If it's going to save you a million and you just have to pay a hundred thousand, where's the question? Let's just do it. You know, and yeah, I, I can totally see how that can be beneficial in your case. All right. And so e-commerce use cases, we'd love to hear some of those. If you, if you can uh, share or remember any of the ones that uh, popped up when you were searching on Google. Yeah, I was going to do the, the three basic ones, the most, uh, the most, uh, found most information about uh, chatbots. 
mm-hmm. on um, an online shop, like a chatbot that you're going to ask, uh, for example, if you're in some shopping website for clothes, you're going to ask the chatbot, like, show me your black shirts or what, 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 show me something that I can wear on a Saturday night. Yeah. Like an intelligent bot that helps you uh, navigate through the website and find products. But we're already, already kind of like into that space. So what I think was more interesting is uh, personalization of the customer experience, personalizing the shopping experience and also the sales cycle. Because once you, once you create a user profile based on their data, like how much time they spend on the product or where they clicked from, you can use clustering to cluster your customer base and approach different segments of customers in a different way. And that can be beneficial for sales. And then also um, applying NLP and image recognition for intelligent searches. So do you, using keyword mapping, if, if I put a keyword in and it doesn't only show me the relevant results, but also related results based on the machine learning algorithm that compared the words, or if I, if I think Kirill has a great shirt, I'm going to take a picture of it, upload it into the shop, and then the shop will not only show me Kirill's shirt, but also other, other shirts that may be similar. And also what I think was really uh, not necessarily e-commerce related, but something for our company is in uh, the space of ops that you're going to use machine learning to analyze backlog data to have like a proactive error detection. So yeah, and also like the main thing I found out. And actually when I had a meeting, when I presented to my whole management team, one of the guys, the head of the product information management system, he was really into it. And he was like, oh, I have so many use cases we can talk about. And yeah, so I'm excited to hear about that. And there's definitely like a lot of stuff, a lot of projects for us to work on. Yeah, that's so cool. It sounds like there's so many that you, you probably, as soon as you get started, you'll have the problem of like, where, like, where do I get the people? Where I get, how do I do all these things at the same time? It's just impossible. Like, are you, are you a bit worried about that already? Or are you just excited about it? I'm really excited. (laughs) I actually can't wait to start. Like, yeah, it's it's kind of bad because I have exams in February. Yeah. I really, I really want to slay on that, but I'm really excited about what's after. Yeah. I can't wait for mid-February to start. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, um, so my one question I have is data science versus AI. What would you say to those listening? Because this is a podcast for data science careers. What would you say to those listening who are in the space of data science and quite successful or learning in that area, but they're a bit apprehensive about getting into the space, right? It seems like a whole different area, something to do with development, something to do with robots. And like, it just feels very alien to them. What, what would you say about uh, that? Can they do it and should they do it? Mm, I feel like, because you already mentioned that machine learning is a great component, is going to be a great component in the future for data scientists and therefore deep learning, which is a subspace of machine learning and deep learning is what I mainly were uh, talking about in my applications. They were always solved with machine learning or deep learning algorithms. I think it's going to be really important for the future. And I think they're definitely not going to regret getting into it Mm. because it's just going to provide a way to get information out of the data with algorithms. And I mean, a programming language such as Python is not that hard. So I think every data science should really uh, have a look. Well, if they're not passionate about it, it's not a huge deal, right? But if they are, it would be great for them to try, I think. Yeah. Yeah. How long did it take you to learn Python? Well, I, I know Java from school, so it took me like four days. 
coordinates. Okay. Right, because it's the same like object-oriented programming, right? Yeah. But in general, I think Python is really uh, simple with how they structure the data and also the variable types. So I think it's a really great programming language for everyone to get started. Mm. And the syntax is very simple, right? With the whole spacing. Exactly, yeah. It's like one of the easiest ones to learn ever. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I do, so like, and do you feel with, with, do you use TensorFlow or do you use PyTorch? What, what do you focus on mostly? Well, I, I got an insight in both of them over your courses. Yeah. I think I would prefer TensorFlow for no specific reason, right? Yeah. Now. But that, uh, that's what I would be going with. And so, thought, you, like, just for me, the general feeling that was more comfortable. Yeah, and it's kind of, I think it's, it's more um, templated. It's kind of like very, mm. very easy. And that's what that was actually my question. Do you feel that with TensorFlow uh, and PyTorch, but in this case, like with TensorFlow, it's, you can apply sophisticated AI models without actually, you know, coding a lot of lines of code, like 10 lines of code, and you can have a, you know, convolutional neural network uh, set up, right? Like, do, do you find that makes your life easier? Yeah, especially when you when you put carrots on top of TensorFlow, it's even easier. Yeah, right? exactly. But yeah, I think I think that's a great way to get started and to just. So for me, when I was getting, when I was getting started, I was really happy with the results that you could accomplish really easily, and then I feel like that's a really good entry into the field because once you start seeing the results, you're happy and then you're interested. You want to find more about the algorithms and then you dive deeper into the mathematics. Maybe read a paper about it and that's when you really start going. But I think the, the possibility of Keras and TensorFlow really sparks the interest in the first place. Because as a computer scientist, I know how, like it can be really depressing if you do a lot of work but don't get results. Yeah. In that sense, you get the results first and then you're inspired to do the work. Yeah, that's really cool. Really? And, and the applications, like even the practice applications, you know, in AI, when you're learning AI, I think across the board, regardless of which course you do, I think they're always fun, right? So it's like, you're trying to recognize digits or you're trying to classify dogs and cats or, uh, you know, price properties and stuff like that. They're always really fun applications. Like you, in machine learning, unfortunately, there's some, some more historical data sets like, I don't know, the Virginia, Virginia Cetosa, Fisher, Iris data set and so on that are kind of like very textbook. But because AI is so new, most of the applications that you can see online, most of the tutorials, they, they're really fun. And, and when you see the results, it's like, wow, you know, that is a dog. That is a cat. That is so cool. I, I love that part yeah. as well. Okay. All right. Well, Rico, we kind of like, I don't know how, how quickly this hour flew by. I, I'm not even keeping track. I think it's been an hour, but it, like, it, it feels like five minutes. It's been amazing. I had a question about a book. Do you have a book that you can recommend to our listeners to help inspire them? Yes. Absolutely. For so the book I read to that also really got me excited was The Magic of Thinking Big mm -hmm. by oh by David Schwartz. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's is that the one yeah. with the fish on the on the cover, right? No, that's the big leap. Yeah, that's the big leap. Okay. Haven't I haven't read yeah. those magic. Okay. So uh, yeah, but the magic of thinking big is a what what a, um it's a really great book because it it encourages you to dream big. Because like when you're not in a position where you have, let's just say, achieved a lot, which is in my position right now, you got to dream big in order to achieve big. Because when you, when you see yourself in that light of where you want to be, you will behave more successful and you will be more successful. So mm -hmm. that, and also what, what really inspired me by that book was the, what he quoted, that you know, successful people are always going to appreciate uh, big ideas. 
So that's what really got me um, with my company's presentation because when I was thinking about if they were going to like it or not, I was like, well, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big idea. So they will appreciate it. And that's what happens. And that's what really kept me. And that's what really um, got me into making the presentation. And if you love, I actually want to recommend another. Yeah. 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 Um, What the CEO wants, you know, yeah. It's been the, the book, what the CEO wants, you know, you sorry, repeat that. Oh, so uh, what the CEO wants you to know. Oh, what the CEO wants you to it's know. The, it's been on the podcast, recommended before. I just wanted yeah. to re, uh, reiterate that because I'm reading it right now. Mm. It's great input for everyone who wants to get a uh, basic knowledge about what their business is doing. And yeah. So is it for, it's like not, not necessarily for CEOs. It's for anybody in the business. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that's, that's a good recommendation. What the CEO wants to know. And I actually, why that book resonated, the magic of thinking big is, I actually read it a few years ago. It's, I looked up the cover now. It's this white book with big red writing by David Schwartz. Very old book. It's, very, it's like written in, the, I don't know, 60s or earlier, but very true. That's really impacted me as well. So I, I can vouch for that. That's a great recommendation. Okay, well, Rico, thank you so much for coming on the show. How, how can our listeners contact you? Like, What's the best way to get in touch and uh, see what crazy AI applications you're going to create in the next coming years? LinkedIn. LinkedIn? Definitely. I love to connect with people on LinkedIn. Uh, I also love to go out and talk to people on LinkedIn. Gotten some great inputs. I've also looked for speakers for a meetup on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I think LinkedIn is right now the greatest way to connect with people, uh, except also in the business. And yeah, definitely. Like As soon as I will dive deeper into everything, I will also try to do more uh, AI-related posts. Nice. And, uh, on, uh, and your meetup, is it going to happen again or was it just like a one-off thing for now? It's going to happen again. Awesome. So, uh, and which city is that in? Hamburg. Hamburg. Germany. So if, if anybody's in Hamburg watching this or listening to this, make sure to uh, check out the uh, meetup. What was it called? Meetup.ai? It's, it's on meetup.com. That's yeah. the website to that person meetup. And the meetup is called meetup.ai. Meetup.ai in Hamburg. Check we it can, out. We can put the link in the description. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll definitely put yeah. the link in the description. But sure. if people like for some reason, forget to check the description, make sure to check out meetup.ai if you're in Hamburg uh, and go meet Rico in person, get, get inspired, get some of this energy. Rico, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. This has been crazy, crazy, amazing. I'm sure so many people are going to get inspired and energized by everything you shared. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was great fun, actually. <laughs> All right. So there you have it. That was Rico Minel. Uh, on artificial intelligence and his journey into data science. I hope you're inspired. I hope you got that energy. I definitely felt the energy from Rico and just how powerful his ambitions are and how powerful his drive and passion are. It's just incredible to meet people like that who set themselves some crazy commitment and they just go forward with it. And personally for me, that was the biggest takeaway that the reckless commitment concept works. If you set yourself a goal, if you set yourself a target and you just commit to it and you know that there's no way out, you have to go for it. Like As they say, if you want to take the island, burn the ships. There's no way out. If there's no turning back, you've got to do it. And the way to get that no turning back is you promise someone or you talk to someone and you say, hey, I want to do this. You know, can like, Or you set up a meetup group and you know there's 250 people waiting. Uh, to come to the event and you, you cannot let them down or you talk to your executives and you say I'm setting up this AI department it's gonna happen and there's no way no turning back no way back 
So there you go. That's uh, the biggest thing I learned. I would love to hear what's the biggest thing that you learned. And uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to rate it on iTunes. That would really help us spread the word across the world so that more and more people can get amazing insights like this. And of course, you can get all of the show notes, including uh, the LinkedIn URL for Rico's profile and also the meetup group. Uh, you can get that at superdatascience.com slash one, two, three. Once again, this episode is available in video. So if you just listen to the audio, you can maybe later on someday go back and rewatch it in video to get inspired again and get a different experience. That is also available at superdatascience.com slash one, two, three. And I can't wait to see you next time. Good luck with your reckless commitment. And until then, happy analyzing.